Hey everyone, I'm Alex Cantor. And I'm Lily Rosenthal. Welcome to our podcast, Hot Pastrami. We are coming to you from our favorite booth at Cantor's Deli here in LA. We're going to invite some of our friends to join us for a chat over some matzo ball soup and pastrami sandwiches. So join us for new episodes of Hot Pastrami every week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts. See you soon. Bye. Hey, this is Cleveland Brown, and you're listening to the About Last Night podcast. I guess your TV must be broken. Ha <laughs> Just kidding. Actually, I'm not kidding. You're bored. This week, I will be doing shows in Seattle, because I'm still in Seattle. Um, the Comedy Underground, and, uh, and a bunch of spots. Uh, check my website, adamraycomedy.com. Next weekend, I will be in La Jolla, San Diego, at the Comedy Store, one of my favorite clubs on planet Earth. Uh, July 5th, 6th, and 7th. Get your tickets at adamraycomedy.com. Uh, these will go quick. Um, I already told we've got a bunch of uh, pre-sale tickets sold, so uh, come out and see me, La Jolla, San Diego, July 5th, 6th, and 7th at the Comedy Store in La Jolla. Um, and then a bunch more tour dates for uh, July and August, all at adamraycomedy.com. I'm coming to uh, Hyenas um, in Plano, Texas, July 11th through the 13th. Um, uh, uh, holy shit. Um, uh, uh, Pittsburgh Improv for the first time uh, in August. Um, I'm coming to Campbell's Resort in Chelan, Washington. I'm coming to Rooster Teeth Feathers in Sunnyvale, California. Uh, New York, coming back to Gotham Comedy Club. All those dates and tickets at adamraycomedy.com. Uh, Brad Williams will be uh, this weekend in Philadelphia at Helium. Go see Brad Thursday through Saturday at Helium in Philly. Tickets to bradwilliamscomedy.com. Holy shit, is today's episode good. Uh, Seth Green is our guest. First time ALN guest. He's got a movie he wrote and directed out right now on iTunes. Uh, I think Amazon called uh, Changeland with him and Breckenmeyer. An amazing film. Uh, great slice of life. Um, travel. Uh, d- kind of dark comedy. Um, you know, the trials and tribulations of life, um, going through love and heartbreak and, and, and rekindling friendships and uh, shot in Thailand. And it's, it's gorgeous. It's a great film. Seth wrote and directed it. Go get it right now. Changeland. I also think it's in a uh, limited theater release. Seth also, of course, uh, known for Robot Chicken going into its 10th season, which I got a chance to do some voices on, which is unbelievable. Um, uh, family Guy, Chris Griffin. We know him from Can't Hardly Wait. Um, the Italian job Seth is the man Entourage So many great entourage stories We prank called The Thai restaurant As Chris Griffin Talked about Can't Hardly Wait Talked about Changeland Talked about uh, The new show that I'm on uh, That he uh, co-created For Hulu Called Crossing Swords Coming out in the fall A uh, claymation uh, Filthy Game of Thrones Type show Medieval show With myself Tony Hale Brecken Meyer Seth Green Adam Pally It's gonna be amazing That comes out in the fall On Hulu uh, so follow Seth and tweet at him. Tell him how much you enjoyed the episode at Seth Green on Instagram and Twitter. I'm at Adam Ray Comedy at Funny Brad at Alan Podcast about last night podcast.com for past and present episodes and all your Alan merch. Shop AdamRay.com for all my uh, hoodies and beanies and hats and shirts. Uh, read the room. My album is still available. Uh, came out in February. Very pumped. Very proud about it. A new hour is already uh, out uh, in full effect uh, on tour. So get my album, Read the Room, on Google Play, Amazon, Spotify, and then come out and see a new hour live. That's how it works, baby. Um, rate and review the podcast on iTunes. Five star rating. Comment on the iTunes page and email us at aboutlastnightpod at gmail.com. Your favorite Alien moments, how you got the pod, where you got into it. 
A lot of great apps coming up and uh, and some big announcements. A very big announcement coming probably in a couple weeks, so you want to stay tuned for that. But now we got the tour dates, Twitter handles, and merch info out of the way, so sit back, relax, and enjoy a brand new episode of the About Last Night podcast with the one and only Seth Green. Well, the weekend's over and it's time to chat about it. It's time to chat about it. Got a midget and a juice, so why don't you sit down now? So why don't you sit hey. down now? Listen to our dope podcast. Whether lunch, dinner, or breakfast. Brad Williams and Adam Ray are here for you any time of day. So come over and treat yourself right. It's about last night. Come on and treat yourself right. It's about last night. Oh, come on and treat yourself right. It's about last night. So come on and treat yourself right. It's about last night. Blue Fires was when he did that Sound City doc. No, no, no. This was way before that. They did a they did an unbelievable acoustic show, and I brought all because we had custom made robot chicken puppets of the whole band. Yeah. And so then I felt like a weird super fan. Like running into them, and I was like, "Hey, uh, I brought these <laughs> dolls that we made of you guys." Yeah, I, what's the casual way to tell someone you got a doll of them? Well, I thought it would be cool. Like there was no they way that it wasn't for sure, cool. Right? Yeah, they all were like super stoked about it. But you, you just feel a little extra dumb. Uh, they're one of the last true, um, I feel like, rock stars that that uh, you know three hour plus shows. Mm are just kind of like using the whole stage. Like Dave, I don't know how he doesn't like lose his voice every show. I don't know either. Yeah. That's I mean, just I'm, like, they know how to breathe, I guess. <laughs> right? They it's, know how to breathe. It's more the, you have to, you have to, this is, this is the thing I'm learning the longer that I do this, you just have to uh, get vocal rest. You have to actually like, yeah, rest right. your voice and yeah. self-recover. Yeah, something I'm very bad at. <laughs> well, in that, and you're someone that uses your voice as well. Yeah, a lot. Yeah, I'm about, I'm, about to, I'm about to get a procedure, a, a Are second you really? procedure, and then uh, and then take like a month off. And that and that and that's just so you can continue doing on the pipes or like something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's um, all my voice. I've learned a lot about the musculature of my the the anatomy of my voice over the last couple of years. Well, all right, Doctor Green, let's hear about it. <laughs> well, it's it's uh, it's as simple as oh, there was a there was a near two year period where I was doing four cartoons and I did a Call of Duty video game mm-hmm. and it was every day and I would do four hour sessions and just blow my voice out yeah, and then yeah. go do an hour session at another show and I never recovered and I never took time off and so. I developed an injury that I just sort of worked around. You know, it's like spraining your ankle and then continuing to run marathons. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and does, you get to a point where your where your your ankle is like, I guess I'm just living sprained. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so you sort of get comfortable working around right the obstacle. But we should tell people too that who don't. I've only done a few video games. I'm sure you've done way more. But the few I did, yeah, man, screaming the whole time. Well, it's not just that. I did ten four hour sessions, and in Holy each one of those shit. sessions, you do everything from saying. Mm, I think I've got to investigate this box to, you know, getting shot or blown Why don't we investigate like, that box? Or just yeah. like, no, it's set to 30 different ways of getting shot. Like, ow! And they're like, ah! And, you, and I, I just... tell me they chose the first one. They use all of them, yeah. is the point. They use literally everything that you do. Jesus. Yeah. So it, it just became exhausting. It, but I didn't realize it because I'd spent my whole life using my voice, and so I didn't know that you could injure yourself. So at one way. point it was Call of Duty, Family Guy, Robot Chicken. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Oh, yeah. And uh, what was it? 
was the other thing that I was doing? It might have been the Hulk show. I can't remember now. Um, do you ever, during that time, are you just like, I mean, you just seem like a person that's like, I'm going to do it all and figure it out. And it's, yeah. it's fun and, and what, and it's, and I'll get rest and I just won't chain smoke. Is it hot in here or yeah. am I yeah, just, we can get am some, I just the no, sweatiest? Yeah, keep going. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how it started. And that's how we got our pants off. <laughs> yeah, we, we, when they wonder, when they skip ahead in the YouTube video, uh, like, are why, are see, they, why are they all not wearing pants? Is this all on video? Uh, yeah. Is that like a, like a that sort 3D of, camera? That sort of covers everybody. That's fun. Yeah. How's this been going? So far, so good, man. We've had, I mean, if you look up there, that's all our, I mean, you're like episode 474 Holy or something. Shit. So yeah, we've been that's doing crazy. it for a while. I mean, I'm going to open these. All right. We're still the only podcast uh, Sandra Bullock has ever done. <laughs> Sandra Bullock uh, yeah. did, did the podcast? Yeah. Does she, she didn't come here. not do podcasts? Uh, I guess not. But she, it's kind of an easy, does. it's like the easiest format because it's so mobile. We, yeah. We realized that in the second season of Robot Chicken that we could bring essentially our recording studio anywhere. Yeah, like, like we, we had the technology has gotten so good that you could like yeah. that you just tell people like, hey, can I come like we can come to your house? Yeah, that was okay. how we got uh, we got Hugh Hefner and uh, the time when he was dating all three of those girls, the girls next door. Right. We yeah. came to the mansion. Oh and yeah, the, it, was, uh, him. it was it was the like Lego. I don't even remember what the gag was at this play, point. Uh, play school mansion. I know way too much about Robot Chicken. Playmobil. Playmobil. Yes. Playmobil. Yeah, it was the play. It was the Playmobil. Uh, mansion and, i'm so uh, glad you remember that because it's all getting really fuzzy for me <laughs> after in being, the 10th season uh, yeah. after 200 episodes after and being congrats, so involved six, six or eight specials and like how many times have you gotten canceled and brought back like every <laughs> season that was that was just a joke we started in the first season oh okay and then because uh, we never thought we would get renewed 10 times <laughs> so <laughs> for real yeah of course not you don't no, I'm, I'm, I have more of a track record with shows getting canceled than I do with them being renewed for several was years. Was there a part of you that was kind of like, because uh, Larry David tells the story that when Seinfeld got re-upped for like a second season, he was like, well, fuck. Like, how are we going to write 10 more episodes? Like, do you, do you ever get tired of it? Or are you like, oh, are you always excited when you guys get re-upped for I, another season? I love Robot Chicken, and I love even more that audiences are still showing up for it 10 yeah. seasons later. The, the thing that's, that's helped us, I think, is continuing to uh, involve new people and yeah. not just assuming that we're the only ones who can tell these jokes. And the, the truth is, when we first started Robot Chicken, it was I, I felt popular because our own passions felt singular to us, and we mm -hmm. were meeting an audience for the first time that shared all of these points of influence. Yeah. And so there's this moment where everyone is just sort of agreeing about what pop stuck to them um, and what they, what they found you know, ironic or silly. And then over time, as we work our way through all of the 80s or 90s or things that were influential to us, it becomes yeah. more important to stay current, to have younger uh, comedians or writers come mm -hmm. in and give us their take on whatever pop stuck to them. Yeah. Or, or especially because comedy just evolves over time. Sure. You, you need other people telling you how to tell a joke in that space now. And so I, I do like that. I just like a, allowing for the evolution of the thing to still be housed under the same apparatus, like Saturday Night Live. Yeah. But the, the fundamental style yeah. of the thing hey, evolves. They, ha they have new writers and new cast members, and, uh, yeah. and you guys have learned to do the same thing. Well, and even SNL, it went from having, you know, 13-minute sketches right. with lengthy commercial act breaks, and yeah. now they've got all this digital media, they've got all these other things that they make, commercials or 
Yeah, when uh, when uh, Andy a bunch Samberg, of sketches. Yeah, 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 like um, Andy Samberg started them doing like song, par- yeah. like full song parodies, and then putting them on YouTube. God, speaking of Andy, I've been seeing all these clips of Lonely Island, and I can't believe I didn't like take greater pains to go see them live. It's just they're just, they're so fucking awesome. Yeah, dude, those songs are pretty epic. Well, just they're I love I don't know, man. I really love those guys, and I find them so. Uh, funny and creative yeah and one thing i love yeah, that who they do, do you- is that like we're, when i see a lot of song parodies they they focus a lot about the jokes of the song ah. lonely island seems to be like no no we're gonna get the dopest beat Mus- possible music first, yeah. music music first, first. Yeah, yeah. and we'll throw in the jokes we know we can do that <laughs> but let's spend money on the beats like yeah. like you like you hear some of those songs you're like if, if if they weren't singing about throwing cum in people's eye, I could dance to this <laughs> at a song. Yeah, <laughs> like uh, uh, like jizz in my pants is yeah, one of those, dude, that's out, one of those, those records anthems. where I was like, oh, I, this 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 feels like a synth pop from my youth. Yeah, yeah, I'm on the amount of people I've seen sing "I'm on a boat" yeah. while on a boat. Probably, uh, I'm pretty sure it's a requirement now that we're in yeah. the Instagram. Like, once you're on a boat, you have to do something where you're like lip syncing to that song or like you do a dub smash. Never thought I'd be on a boat. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> can you imagine being T Pain and all the records he's released, and yet pe- that people probably still come up to him the most and be like, I mean, the Michael Bo- boat. the Michael Bolton always... one is just like so epic to me. Yeah, and it, not that Bolton but, seems untouchable or unattainable, but. It's their take on it, though. It's yeah. that Bolton is like really forcefully singing about pirates, and, yeah. and they are. This is not how we expected this to go. <laughs> We're trying to sing a different song, even. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm so glad. Funny. I, I'm glad that you can look at other forms of comedy and not uh, and not be like like you're still a fan. And yeah, I, I I think that's one of the things that comes across whether you do a project like Family Guy with all of their references or when you, when you're doing robot chicken that's like oh you can tell you guys are fans of this stuff yeah and well it's it'd be it, it's really sad when people make stuff out of spite like yeah <laughs> i find the audience can always tell if you're m- making it because you're enjoying it especially right. with comedy it's like i never i never subscribe to that idea of the angry bitter beleaguered comic yeah. being mm-hmm. like that path being the only way to be funny. me neither I've heard, like I saw, I saw that it was it was Letterman's early philosophy of like you've gotta be in pain and yeah. unhappy to be funny. And I just I don't know if we've if we've learned anything from the Church of Conan, it's that you can <laughs> no really shit, you yeah. can really enjoy yourself. Yeah. It, Did it, you have, have what was time. what was your um, your comedic uh, uh, influences in, in childhood? Like when you were, did you have like a good oh, man. childhood, I mean, first of all? Yeah. 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 Well, I, I started working when I was really young. That's right. I was drawn to all this really young. And uh, I got to watch SNL when I was really young. I My, my parents had like Richard Pryor, Bill Cosby records. Fuck, and so jealous. I listened to, I, I got really fascinated with people like Lenny Bruce and yeah. people that were socially provocative through stand up and I don't know. I've just always been drawn to it. So I've sought it out. I it, love stand up though. Thank yeah, you for, you sa- thank you for saying, Lenny Bruce. Yeah, you can tell I always uh, say that, brilliant. like, when pe- when people say like, who are who's on the comedy Mount Rushmore? I always I always say like, well, there's only one spot available because it's it's Carlin Pryor Bruce. Oh, I and, love George Carlin, and that's it. Yeah. Like after that, you can debate whether it be like a Joan Rivers or a well, but Johnny I got Carson. into I got into guys like Bobcat and Stephen Wright, and yeah. I loved Sam Kinison, and even yeah. like early Marin. I was very I love Robin Williams, obviously, yeah. uh, but I was I was super into comedy as a as a medium, yeah, and the way that any there was no right way to take the stage. You just had to entertain the audience. You just had you to picked up them. on that early, yeah. 
Just yeah. from seeing all these different personalities. Yeah. And and all the different styles of doing it. Like I thought Eddie Murphy was a, a brilliant comic, especially yeah. in the in that moment. Um, but but Lenny Bruce was the guy who got arrested for comedy. And then yeah. it, even making the point that you could be arrested for comedy. I know, so crazy. That, that to me was so exciting. It's so fucking punk rock that yeah. this guy was constantly like, oh, the filthy words, the dirty mind, <laughs> yeah. the, dirty, the dirty words. Of this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bruce, and then just starting to read his police reports. Yeah, and yeah. All of his court transcripts. Yeah. transcripts. I was like, this motherfucker is, <laughs> is like the sex pistols up here. Yeah. Yeah. Would I, your folks encourage uh, all this? And like when you would see, uh, like, you know, listen to an a prior album would you then engage with them about it so you could kind of like you know curate the I guess the so love for it. I was always a mimic really young and so I just I, I did the same thing that everybody does which is sort of practice the rhythmic styles or yeah. the, the yeah. vocal inflections yeah, yeah. of whatever performer and use that to tell a joke better it took me a while to even develop my own personal voice and my own personal style because I spent so much time imitating yeah sure yeah. I mean I, I think that's where everyone starts because you don't start off in comedy whether it be acting writing stand up you don't start off with just like well here's my full fledged material and my voice and my point in my point of view so yeah a lot a lot of times you you start off like who's that someone that speaks to me or like has yeah. my voice and then so, someone i want to be like i really appreciated that uh, seinfeld made that movie about it was amazing. putting a set together yeah. and the months of time and the yeah. years of just workshopping that hour of material oh, yeah. we needed and I really to see somebody it on uh, on uh, i'm sorry oh go ahead no on Sandler's new special yeah. Yeah. That, that Steve Brill directed where they show him at each of the different theaters working up to the arena, workshopping these right. bits from like yeah. a 10, 20 person set. Yeah. I love that. It, it helps to see guys at that level to at least, you know, for the Seinfeld one specifically to go, oh, cool. You mean he didn't just show up yeah. and have it all perfect? <laughs> like he's doing what we're doing? And, and It is uh, always reassuring. You forget that. Yeah, where yeah. The, the, the guys at the very top are still doing the same thing that the guy's at sort of the very bottom are doing. Because that's what it fucking takes. <laughs> Blood, sweat, and tears in comedy. It really is. You know, your overnight success comes after 30 years of hard, yeah. straight effort. What well, was your um, your intro into the uh, acting world? Was it uh, like first commercial audition or gig? Yeah. yeah it was yeah, commercial. I was really lucky, man. I, I booked the first commercial spot I went on. Oh, shit. Wait, yeah. can we guess what it is? <laughs> I mean, I've said it publicly so okay. many times. I'd, it wasn't an actual product. It was a... Uh, uh, RCA was producing an industrial commercial for a John Finally. Denver record that was like an <laughs> internal internal thing. So I guess it was sent to record stores or to Amazing. whatever. And so I was a little kid and they bring me into the room and I'd, I've been like so hungry for it that I was like, mm. okay, this is the casting situation. All right, I'm going to come in. I'm going to do my lines. And they brought me over to this old man and they're like, this is your grandpa. You're going to hang out with him. He's going to tell you stories. So just be engaged. And uh I did. I listened really intently, and I think I even improved with them. And they were like, <laughs> "He speaks." Shocked by that, so I don't know. I mean, Dang. like when you when you book your first gig, is it like? Because I, I remember the first set I ever did, I felt went well, and then the second set went horribly wrong. And I thought, wait, what the like? Yeah, the, did you book RCA and go? The last here one we go. Yeah, yeah. Hollywood, get I don't, ready. I don't. Know. Well, my 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 goals in this were never about celebrity it was right. really just that i'm so satisfied by the work Being like i really it. enjoy the thing that i i like the most is playing characters or or getting an audience like that's mm -hmm. that's just what i'm in it for so i didn't have that moment of 
all right, I'm, I'm off and my name in lights kind of thing. It was more, oh, okay, cool. This is how it works and I'm going to do this. Yeah. I yeah. think, I, 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 and, and, <laughs> and I think that's a really healthy attitude. Yeah. I think that's what kind of kept you maybe away from some of the downfalls that uh, plague so many people that get into this business too I, young. Is I've that never you been in, yeah. Yeah, you didn't care about that kind of stuff. You weren't going to clubs or like doing. I mean, I did. I did yeah. all that stuff, but I've never been in it for the money. I've never been a flashy car or clothes kind of person. Mm-hmm. I've, I've yeah, you never... pulled up on a scooter. People don't know that that was. No. <laughs> yeah, it's got to, I'm all about the environment. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and plus, there's something really satisfying about just throwing that scooter in the street <laughs> when you're done and like pff, deal with that. I it can't. really is. I, I did. I took a picture of it. <laughs> yeah. Flung up against a pony wall that yeah. borders the dry cleaners. <laughs> sure. Yeah. yeah. And said, sue me. Yeah. <laughs> like, tra- yeah. Delivered. I, <laughs> I'm always amazed when I see those scooters because I'm like, if I had that scooter as a kid, that would be the best thing yeah. that I owned. Yeah. Like, it, it, it would be like that in my Sega Genesis. Like, like, I don't know which one I would. And then to see someone just chuck it in a bush or in the middle of a road or like throw it in the ocean. It's, is, it's is, part of the like declaration of freedom, though, where you're like, the scooter is not my obligation. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's also <laughs> a, you, di- a dick move because someone else is going to roll up on that scooter with busted tires. <laughs> yeah. And the frame. All oh, crooked. yeah. Yeah, exactly. I do enjoy watching people just like scoot, scoot by on those things. <laughs> Nobody, nobody looks cool, and yet you can nobody tell does. everyone is really enjoying it. Yeah. So anybody that yeah. goes by, they're standing, you know, Very stark upright, and, and really looking stupid, but also <laughs> the biggest smile. Yeah, the yeah, best wind in their face. Like yeah. watching people rollerblade at Venice Beach, like Hilarious. you know, they know they look foolish, but they don't give a fuck. No. They're like I'm rollerbladers just are the most this. confident people on the planet. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. like and then, I envy. And, and then like the, the guy, then the guys that like wear suits. And then are like, oh, I'm gonna try to look like I'm doing official business on this scooter. No, dude, smile. I don't en- know. En- en- enjoy it. Like, like back like, when I was reading Thrasher magazine, and they had you know full color shots of Lance Mountain riding half pipes <laughs> yeah. in a fucking three piece. I was like, that guy's the coolest. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Couldn't be cooler. So you you know you see the guy on the the scooter with the three piece, and somewhere that's punk rock. Are there? Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Are there parts of uh, your childhood or just nostalgia that you feel were like uh, extra uh, special as far as like, like in Robot Chicken with all the references, is there, is there one episode or moment where you were like extra geeked out on to do because you're like, man, talk about something that taps into like my childhood or what I remember getting really like excited about. Yeah, it was people that we got to have in. I got to make a movie with Burt Reynolds and then Burt came in to do Robot Chicken and brought Dom DeLuise with him Shut and we just had up. the two of them in the booth being ridiculous and Bert just like hard extended his arm into Dom's face and Dom Dom was on a walker at that point so he like slapped him on the mic and I was like you don't need to actually slap him because we can't see any of this so like Bert is like Bert comes from that old school where he's like oh I have to be my own Foley artist yeah like like, like he's making the sound effects and Dom's sitting there holy cow in the corner it was those kind of moments we had Don Knotts on the show and I got to direct him we had Pat Morita on the show so it was like getting to do those kinds of things with those guys Phyllis Diller on the show and it's like no way yeah so for me those kinds of experiences were the stuff that really checked that holy shit box um 
versus us covering a particular type of pop. Right. You get so many like crazy guest stars. Is is, yeah. is it because you offer to essentially like you said earlier take the recording studio to their homes? Like how do you reach out to some of these people? Um it's a it's a little bit of us going after somebody and a little bit of people saying that they like this show and they want to do it. Yeah. Okay. Um and then it, it I'm I'm always conscious of trying to offer somebody something that won't get cut. And mm. something that would be fun for them to do. So, yeah. so most often we don't go after somebody for a part that they've played themselves unless there's some kind of nostalgic enthusiasm for them playing it yeah. in a uh, transformative way. Right. But it's more fun to have other people play famous characters because that's usually, if you're, if you're going after Chris Pine, it's more interesting for him to play Tom Hardy <laughs> than, right. yeah. than it is for him to play Captain Kirk. Right. right. It's yeah. like it's too on the nose and it's just, yeah, let's yeah. let's let this person have fun. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's usually how we get people is it's yeah. fun. It's very short. It's like less than 20 minutes of recording time. It was. We, we can do it anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Adam and I have both been voices on this next upcoming season. And yeah, thank you. Uh, Adam's, You're welcome. So, thank you. So fucking. Adam's <laughs> done it before. This is my first time, but holy, I, I was so happy with the process like you come in you guys do like two or three takes and, and you're good like that like it, well, they it, weren't like dissecting every word or anything like that it was it's very hyper loose. specific you know yeah. it, it's more wes anderson in the process than it is in the records like we're right. by the time we get somebody in the booth we have a really clear sense of what it needs to be to yeah. work and there's there's a little bit of wiggle room for improv or what the artist is going to bring to it but in a lot of cases for this shit to actually play it's got to hit yeah. a particular rhythm and you can sure. tell by someone's take if it's going to fit into the larger puzzle or it's not yeah do you do you already have all the stop motion essentially done before no, you no, record? You, re you record all of the dialogue first okay and then all of the and it, typically with animation you do all the vo stuff first and that mm -hmm. way the animators know what it is that they're working around right. All right so so they take the actor's performance and they bring that to their own performance okay and then when you're writing stuff like that like you, you just have so much material to pick from you can go from any tv show any uh, action figure, any, and then all your guys' original characters. Like, do you start saying, all right, today we're going to write a GoBot sketch? Sort of. I mean, um, when, when we, we write over 20 weeks and mm -hmm. we have um, uh, five cycles of four weeks or four cycles of five weeks, depending. And in each one of those cycles, we'll bring in new writers and mm -hmm. we'll task them with generating four scripts or five scripts, depending on how our cycle's broken down. And so each morning, you know, the head writers will either throw words up on the board, like mm -hmm. GoBots, or, okay. you know, if, if we know a movie is in production that we know is going to be something like Godzilla, okay, sure. guys, we want something for King of the Monsters. But we also, we're in a weird, a weird pattern because you, you can't be current. Animation takes so long. The yeah. entire process of this South thing Park, is like a like, year. That's about it. Yeah. Yeah, but we're not, we're not, and our <laughs> show is just not that show. It's just a exactly. fundamentally different type of show. Our our obligations to be socially astute or uh, current with <laughs> pop. It's not, it's just not, right. it's just not the same. So we're always conscious of, well, what's going to stick around in a year. Right. It's why, yeah. it's why we didn't do like a parody of the uh, Nick and Jessica newlywed <laughs> show. Cause we were like, right. I, I don't know, two years from now, is this even a thing? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you probably watch the show. You're like, they're breaking up. <laughs> it wasn't even like that. It was like we right. really wanted to focus on stuff that the audience would have a deep connection to yeah. as opposed to trying to, to be SNL right. and play like what's the most current pop. Right. Right. The, the, the itch that Robot Chicken seems to scratch is people saying, oh, my God, I remember that. 
and I always thought that was this, or I always thought it was that. Yeah, do any people get, like, because you're using toys, and people are very possessive of their toys and their childhoods and their nostalgia. Like, does anyone Speaking be like... from personal experience. Hey, you shut the fuck up about G.I. Joe. I've said that a million times. Uh, like, is, is there anyone that goes like, He-Man would never talk like that? Do, like, people get upset we, about... We still get a little bit of... But that just means we haven't done our job right. Like, if the true <laughs> fans are dissatisfied with the representation of a character, it means that somewhere we've either misinterpreted the character or mm-hmm. or that person takes it too seriously, but I but right. I believe that the taking it too seriously is the whole reason Robot Chicken exists. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, yeah. So exactly. We, we'll we'll allow that. Yeah. Um. I want to. But uh, yes, to answer your question, people are all the time like, um, I feel like Homestar Runner is completely inaccurately <laughs> represented here, and um, I'm gonna need some uh, reparation. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I took time to once I did my bits for the show to walk through the toy room and like see all your collections and. Wow, like that that like when you say collections, it makes it sound like <laughs> like I'm like I'm Steve Sansweet and I'm walking you through Rancho Rancho Obi Wan. Yeah. Um, we have a massive yeah. uh, production facility that handles all the manufacturing and the modification of anything that's going to be a character on the show. And as a result, we've put together a large library of available characters in storage. Yeah, uh, but it's not necessarily a curated collection right do you do you you yourself have a uh, collection at home that i've is gotten, pretty extensive i've gotten less and less concerned with collecting things and i, I think that's just a result of having a volume of things and not having a place to display them yeah. or, or also being conscious of any of these collections becoming definitive of me as a person um, and it's probably a product of having made Robot Chicken for f- the past 15 years that I've gotten to handle, interact with, or own every grail item that would have called to me. Yeah. And it, it's not like it lessens the the specter of it. It just makes it less urgent for me to own it and display it. Do you still have the backpack from Can't Hardly Wait? <laughs> Does Kenny Fisher still exist somewhere? I don't have any of the props or costumes that Kenny Fisher had. I, I was always kind of sad about that, actually. I was like, yeah. I should have kept something, but I didn't. <laughs> there, there's, a, there's a world I'd like to live in where Kenny Fisher is on Inside the Actor Studio. <laughs> <laughs> I heard Love Hewitt uh, come if out we and can say she wanted to make uh, <laughs> like a uh, Yo James what's up dog what's your favorite curse word oh shit dog I don't know I gotta think about that James like <laughs> Lipton tea up in this bitch Lipton cup of soup motherfucker if if heaven exists yeah. what would you like for God to say when yeah. he meets you at the pearly gates say oh Kenny you dope dog <laughs> Uh, I think we just wrote a robot chicken sketch. That's funny. Dude, that, uh, does it, do people still like get in your face about that movie and how iconic it was for that time? Uh, people, people definitely still tell me that they love that movie, which makes me really happy because I love that movie. Was that time just, uh, I mean, you know, it was, uh, as, as far as like high school movies go, like, I feel like that really took everything up a notch as far as like covering every base and like mm. the comedy that was in that, like kind of set the table for movies that followed. And, uh, you know, just speaking personally, like being in that time, it was just like overwhelmingly like, holy shit, like I can't believe they're depicting yet. Ta- like they're finding all these pieces of what we're going through 
and then also like displaying all the things that you want to be doing. Oh, I uh, love that. I, I was really happy that the movie connected because yeah. I always thought the script was so clever yeah. and I, I love those, uh, everybody involved with it. And I also n- knew reading it that it was a huge opportunity for me as a performer yeah. and I just tried to like... Yeah, what a great fucking part, right? Hell yeah, man. And you, I knew, you I was, know that when you see it, right? When I read it, I was like, oh God, if I can, if I can get this and yeah. then I will give my everything to it I was like this will be a thing that people remember I mean, it was scene stealing it was it was yeah. like what you walked out of the movie being like fucking we, how do we, who's our Kenny Fisher you know <laughs> <laughs> I like that yeah yeah and, and it's one of those parts where you won't like you almost can't overact it you know what I mean like well, like, like you, you, like you kind of can but like well, you know, like you can really just bring everything to it he, he needs to be both foolish and mm-hmm. convincingly foolish like you can't ever think that you can't ever feel like that character is uh, he, he's just not, he completely lacks self-awareness. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like he's all bravado and confidence that's covering up, you know, all that incredible insecurity and self-loathing. And so I tried to, I tried to just make that feel honest. <laughs> and it did. Uh, thanks. <laughs> yeah. Even uh, my mom was a fan. The amount of times she's walked into Shabbat dinners being like, man, I have got to have sex tonight. I was like, <laughs> Jesus Christ. That's a deep cut pudding. <laughs> It'd be so funny. Yeah. Are you trying to fix me up with your mom? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> What's happening? Um, does uh, after uh, something like that? Does um, like what? Like at what point being in uh, this business have things kind of like? Did you feel like uh, you know you get momentum or you you start to kind of um, you know become more of a, a player in things where you're like, all right, cool. Like I got a little more heat on this, and mm-hmm. I can kind of you know, move these pieces around or you just get a little bit more uh, confident, I guess, with everything. Because like you said, finding your voice like takes a minute and who you are. Did that movie kind of help take things up a notch? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah I had a convergence of things all in that same year where Can't Hardly Wait came out, Austin Powers did That's well right. on DVD and yeah. I got made a series regular on Buffy. And all Dude, of those all things year? combined in that same year, everybody knew my name. And yeah. so I'd been, I'd been acting for, you know, over a decade at that point and it wasn't... Um, I was successful and I was known in the industry as a, uh, a valuable character actor, but I wasn't, um, no, nobody knew my name and I certainly wasn't being seen as attractive amongst my own peer group. And so those three things in the same year changed everything for me. And then I had to be more conscious about what I said yes to and what I said no to. And sure. I've always heard that your career is more defined by your passes than the things that you do. Is that true? Yeah. I mean, I've definitely found the things that i passed on would have represented me in a way that I felt was unbecoming in the moment and might have sabotaged my shot at something that came later. But you never know in those moments if you're making the right right? choice or not. Oh, man. Yeah, Yeah, and you you, you talk about Buffy can't hardly wait. Like, you were like, every teenager, that was their shit. Like, those, like, those... three entities so, sort of like can't hardly wait <laughs> while it became a uh, a, a culture a familiar cultural touchstone yeah, for yeah. people it didn't make gang loads of money at the theater it didn't do as well theatrically as american pie which came out a couple years later right and and we always thought that it was because it was the first in the resurgence of teen comedies like mm-hmm. s- studios did not have faith in teen comedies anymore they had zero faith in r-rated comedies at that moment which just right. seems to be a cyclical trend yeah where the they, they always do like, and oh, they, this will never work yeah, yeah they always do and then something just proves it wrong where, where <laughs> it'd be like 
Deadpool being a hard R and then them, yeah. them going like, oh, so we can make R-rated comedies again? Yes. Yeah. We've been able to make that all, Yeah, but even always. Deadpool didn't, almost <laughs> didn't get off the starting line. Like, yeah. they had that incredible piece of test footage that Fox was just saying no to and then it, like, snuck its way onto the internet and the world was like, holy shit, I need to see this movie. Yeah, yeah. It's a, you know, it's a similar thing. The, the audience will always tell you what the market will bear, but mm-hmm. usually people can protect their own employment by saying no to things right. easier than they can stay, they can keep their job by saying yes to stuff. No studio head, no executive has, you get very few people who are like, we have to make this movie. Right. Most people are like, I don't want to get fired, so this is a little too risky for me to say yes to. Yeah, and that's ver- that's really unfortunate because there's a lot of things out there that are just really creative and really really original that just that just said no to because they're new and original and not banked upon i i I had this realization a long time ago when i started taking all of these meetings with studios and producers and financiers Mm -hmm. that all of them they're not trying to be an asshole they're not trying to personally hurt or prevent you from doing stuff they're really just trying to protect their own job and trying to make their own career. And so you as a creator or you in your pitching don't need to argue them into submission. You need to be able to reassure them that they're they're right for saying yes to you. And so going into each of those meetings, it's Mm -hmm. not like convincing somebody that they're wrong or beating them down with your own (laughs) research and evidence. It's assuring them that they will be heralded as a genius for saying yes to you and that there is no, that there's a high probability of success with all of these elements in place. Oh shit. That, that was, it's just, just a little bit of a tweak, man. I'm and I realize how that, like, yeah. how, how unintentionally uh, both arrogant and disrespectful I must have appeared <laughs> in so many meetings <laughs> where I was like making people feel stupid about not knowing as much as I did about how these things could work. And sure. I was like trying to argue and debate my way into a green light. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you, you just turn people off instead of realizing that you've got excellent uh, potential collaborators, you, you sort of try and bulldoze everybody and you, you throw up your hands. Why hasn't anyone noticed how awesome I am yet? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's just not effective. Do you yeah. think it's true what they say too about trying to include when you are trying to get something made and get something done, like making them as much a part of the creative process as possible so that, that it's not just like, Hey, take my thing and let me do it and sign off on no, it. You need people to understand why it'll work. You need all of these people in all of these departments to be your champion. Like yeah. if you're making a movie, you need every person at every at every level of every job to be on board, whether it's the person getting coffee for the publicity department or the person who's operating your camera. Like you need everyone on board mm-hmm. and that's 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 your that's your job. And to how, get everybody into how, it. Yeah. How hard was that when you were uh making this new film? Uh Cha- uh, change land to change get, land. Change to land, get people on board so um good. well it's really difficult <laughs> yeah you wrote and directed this yeah and starred yeah what the fuck dude? what the fuck man amazing <laughs> it's not it's not it's not that was not easy look at you and, <laughs> do, did, did you did, did you do that oh, wait, did you like get chops. done did you thanks man yeah, yeah did, did you get done it at the end of it go wow i'm never doing i'm, I'm never wearing all those hats again or no. were you more like inspired to no, but I try something like I, that i definitely understand why people take breaks to recover and i appreciate giving myself the space to sort of digest all this post game 
Yeah. Um, but but uh, the, the short answer is it took, you know, nine years from the time I had the idea to the time we were bringing it out. And that's just the way it goes. I rewrote the script six completely different times. Wow. Just way. because it wasn't getting across what I wanted it to. And then I even rewrote it halfway through our financing round because I had shown the, move, the, the script to several people and they just weren't getting from it what I wanted mm-hmm. them to get from it. And instead of, instead of coming at it like, well, everybody's just a fucking idiot. Yeah. Um, I was like, well, clearly I haven't written this well enough. <laughs> right. if, if, if no one is getting the point, yeah. I need to give the audience a little more information for them to be able to grasp it. And it made the difference, like the difference between that first round of financing, rewriting yeah. the scripts and that second round of financing. Like, yeah. yeah, people were, well, I was able to see where my blind spots were yeah. and then I was able to strengthen those. I love that people, some people would see this and go like, oh, written, directed, starring Seth Green, you've been an, a, a Hollywood guy for years. They probably go, oh, he probably just walked in and, th- and threw this at a studio and said, make this. No, it's, like, we, that did, we did, did not, not have happen. a studio behind us. This was yeah. independent money this was independently produced it's mm-hmm. independently distributed like we we just and that that's just sort of i knew that going in i knew that this is not a big movie i knew that mm-hmm. this isn't a movie with like a ton of marquee names even though everybody in it is is successful yeah. and, and has their own credibility um this type of movie just it, it doesn't it doesn't elicit that kind of uh, that thing you know what i mean mm-hmm. you like I could go promote this everywhere, but it's still a small and intimate story. Yeah. It's still the kind of thing that I, I hope audiences will share with each other, but that is not going to become a global spectacle. It just isn't, right. it's not Ready Player One or Endgame. It's, right. it's, yeah. it's, it, it is, you know, it's, it's, at its, it's at its best sideways or garden state. Yeah, or, that's I, what I loved about it. I, I described yeah. it to Adam as eat, pray, love for bros. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but even, but even I think the bros of it is, yeah. is almost too, uh, too limiting of a category yeah. because sure. I, I didn't feel like these guys were, I didn't want to portray them as your prototypical bro dudes. No, they didn't like, seem like it. These aren't, these aren't characters from Entourage or... Right, you know, even from uh, the Jersey Shore, these are just. I wanted it to just feel natural. I really wanted it to feel like you were just in this experience with these two these two old friends. These wow. are my favorite types of movies. These like slice of life, like where you kind of get like a chunk of what's going on with them and like this one big experience, and also like again, man, like didn't know you had the dramatic chops in you, so that was like Thanks, really man. refreshing and cool to see, and like just you know going to those types of places and. And also just um, the amount of uh, stakes that I felt like there were throughout the whole thing. And, and that you didn't just kind of have this like immediate turn and, and all of a sudden like have, you know, a couple scenes in, you know, just have uh, um, Breck and, you know, get you to be like, all right, you know, what, man, fucking don't worry about it. Let's just have some fun. You know what I'm yeah. saying? You really kind of lived like the way people do and kind of, um, you know, carry the weight of, of what was happening with you for a while. Thanks. And uh and like seeing that go through was like I was like yeah dude this is like very honest with how it actually goes down right when on. you go through a heartbreak like that you know yeah it's but, a, where, the, whole, the whole thing takes place like over forty eight hours yeah. so I, I wanted I wanted it to feel like a natural evolution I wanted I wanted the audience to be at a place where they're like ah oh, this guy's got to just figure it out you know mm-hmm. and now I really want to go to Thailand because of this damn movie good because I mean I mean don't don't get me wrong like. 
I wanted to go to Thailand for like the weird sex stuff, but now I want to go for like the scenery. And still the food going for that, and and the weird sex stuff. I feel like like I'll still go for that. But I, feel, I definitely feel like <laughs> Thailand has not gotten a bad rap, but uh, I, I find that most people misunderstand how vast and um, it's accessible that, yeah. that whole region is because. The bulk of films that have been made about Thailand either feature some kind of bizarre sex tourism mm-hmm. or human trafficking or yeah. police or government corruption, which are just not or an underground those fight really club. Aren't like, what's, <laughs> yeah, it, it, it just really isn't like that. And the tor- right. the tourist experience there is something that feels so casually human. Because um, you see people from all around the world come there and have the same experience of being in these kayaks and standing at this sea cave yeah, and yeah. posing in front of James Bond Island and <laughs> not knowing why, what do we do here? It's like, yeah. that's, that's something that everybody shares. You have this exact same experience. I love the fact that that, that, that kind of tourism bonds people yeah. from all over the world. Is that the first location that was kind of like locked in as far as like where the movie was going to live? Or were you like, where would I want to go? No, no, no. It, it, I, I was inspired to tell the story because I had a, a, a trip to Thailand with my buddy. Oh, shit. And everything that we did on our trip is something that the characters do in the movie. Oh, and no way. Each of those things that the characters do in the movie is something that anyone can go do and go experience. What I tried to, to do was create a dramatic narrative that allowed us to utilize all these spectacular backdrops. Yeah, dude, it was gorgeous. And I I like the idea of a character having created a different intent for this experience and then having to go through all of these romantic (laughs) experiences that he handpicked without the the wife and instead with his buddy while nursing this heartbreak and trying to digest the fact that his, his, that he's, you know, been sort of passively coasting through his life, that he's, Mm -hmm taken all of the they've taken a job and uh, uh, taken circumstance that were just handed to him and he's he's really become a passenger instead of an active participator even a driver in his own life and so making somebody face that in a place on the opposite side of the planet in in something so beautiful that that just seemed very funny to me like somebody really in their own head and upset and dealing with some in- incredible emotional disorientation while everyone else is saying, wow, yeah, 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 you're yeah. just like, look at that. <laughs> uh, and, and you said like it was based on a trip to Thailand and that you yeah. wrote, and that you wrote the film. Did you have like a, a heartbreaking breakup such no. as this character? None of the emotional through? story okay. has anything to do with it. In fact, even the, the characters that exist in the movie, they, I gave them dramatic circumstances. Like mm-hmm. um, the guy that took uh, me and my buddy Dan out on a snorkel tour and then insisted that we come with him to the reggae bar, which is that place on PP Island yeah. Yeah. where locals and tourists can fight each other. That's a real place. And this guy <laughs> oh, was shit. like, we're having a great time on the snorkel trip, but you know, on the other side of your island, Mm-hmm. is this bar and I'm gonna go there tonight. I got my kickboxing shorts and we, <laughs> we were in this bar and I was like, I can't believe this is a real place. Like we should shoot a movie here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the yeah. whole trip I was telling my buddy Dan from us being mistaken as, as uh, uh, a romantic couple and everybody trying to make our trip into something romantic <laughs> to each of the places that we visited. It all, it all is a version of what happened to us. I just okay. created a backstory for each of these characters mm-hmm. and, I, and I created a dramatic circumstance that helped propel my character through some kind of 
arc. I definitely want to see them, uh, you and Brecken, go back just to uh, hang out with Macaulay's character uh, on the island again. That That's was funny. fucking that dude. So, f- that, <laughs> so and funny. That that character to me just seems like a like a young Bill Murray, where 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 you're just like looking at his way of thinking and his philosophy on life, going, "Oh, I need to." Do that, but then you start worrying about you know bills and family and friends and all the things that yeah. get caught up in life. And you're like, but he doesn't. It, 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 yeah. It's a great character. Oh, thanks. Yeah, I love Mac. Um, he has known re- each other for a while. Yeah. 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 It's so so long that I've been telling him about this movie for eight years. I'm, like, hey, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm going to do this movie in Thailand. Yeah, yeah. I want you to play this yeah, character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind of like a magical white yeah. rabbit that <laughs> like, takes our characters. <laughs> like, you know, you told me that during Home Alone too. Yeah. <laughs> literally wears bunny ears, so yeah. he is literally a magical ra- uh, well, that, white rabbit. That all just became a th- we we had started wearing animal ears. Uh, we've been going to New York Comic Con for the past uh, eight eight years. Yeah. And, we joked that our panel there was both the uh, semi-annual meeting of the Silly Hats Club and also for a, for a period of time the annual public appearance of Macaulay Culkin. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, we had all just gotten into this thing of like wearing animal ears as mm-hmm. kind of a as a like all right we're gonna have fun now. Yeah, and uh, that that even became a staple of like house parties where we had like 50 different animal ears yeah. anybody that wants to b- pick your animal and that's yeah, what yeah. we're doing tonight we're playing running charades and everybody's an animal and um, <laughs> when we were talking about what this character was I'm like this guy is full tilt rabbit ears mm-hmm. you know uh, flowy skirts this guy is like d- go full rock star on this like yeah. rings on every finger whatever you want to bring to yeah. this that's who this guy yeah, is yeah. this is a guy who abandoned the life that everyone told him to have completely reinvented himself as this new persona and has become this guy. He's a local celebrity on the island. Everybody loves him. People go out on his snorkel tours all the time. He's like, he, 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 he is the living embodiment of, you know, uh, the, the spirit of the island. Yeah. 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 And uh, you fucking nailed it. Isn't he great? <laughs> yeah. I mean, everybody is, man. It's like you cast it well. Like, everybody, like, you know, there's just a lot of genuine chemistry between everybody. Thanks, man. I, I went w- out of my way to write uh, parts for specific actors that I knew so way to would do it, right? crush it. Yeah. So, did yeah, you- everybody says, you know, 90% of getting the thing made right is casting and then just creating a circumstance where your actors can give you the best of themselves on behalf of your project. Did you, you did you write a part for Randy Orton? Yeah, I, it wasn't specifically a, for Randy, but yeah, it was... I'm a big uh, wrestling fan, so yeah, I, was, I was really excited to see Randy in the movie. Hell yeah. Well, I had had this experience when my friend Dan and I were on vacation. We went to the reggae bar, and there was a guy there who was already drunk and boldly... He, he just fixated on me, fixated on me and was like, you and me, pal, this is our night. And he bought me shots all night, shots and buckets all night. And I was like, I don't know what I did to deserve this. And he, he was this uh, Australian guy and really excited. And even when we, because the island's very small, so there's a bunch of different bars that yeah, you go yeah. to. He followed us to every bar, and he kept being like, you and me, pal, we're doing shots, and so... Like, we just did them. Exactly, exactly. And, um, and I, there was something about, like, I, I just created an entire identity for that character yeah, 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 that yeah. was far less um, potentially dangerous as it felt <laughs> yeah, in, yeah, yeah. in real life. But I like the idea a of a twist. guy who would come to that island under completely different circumstances and then fixated on me, like, tonight's your night, yeah. pal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So... I just made that character more of a, you know, like a sage advisor mm-hmm. uh, for Brandon, who's my character in yeah. the movie, who's clearly going through some kind of evolution. <laughs> yeah. Um, that I, I, I basically took all these things that happened to us on our trip 
and I gave them a deeper meaning. And I made them all. It's like Wizard of Oz when she wakes up at the end of the thing. She's like, and you were there? Yeah. And, and, and you were there too? And you see Where that, guy, that, just like, movie? that yeah. guy just like poke his head into the window at the end of Wizard of Oz? <laughs> One a shot? Yeah. One kind more for of. the road? Yeah. Yeah. So then uh, casting that part, I wanted that guy. For, for the movie of it, I really wanted that guy to be this large mm-hmm. presence with gravity and, you, you know, subtlety. And you, you need someone huge for that you need yeah. someone that that has um that can be still and still c- command yeah. intimidation mm-hmm. and Ra- randy and i had gotten to do uh i got to be the first celebrity guest host of monday night raw Holy and shit. oh shit six-man tag team with john cena and triple h versus randy orton and the legacy <laughs> all right we're gonna talk about this the rest of the time <laughs> yeah, so yeah, yeah. yeah. so Ra- randy and i met that night and uh you know we had some in-ring beef that we squashed after the fact because he was well, proud of me for taking a good bump and then <laughs> i took his clip on conan and uh, i saw him at wrestlemania and he was like you put my clip on conan i was like man i'll do spots with you any day <laughs> and so it just sort of came about when i was putting this movie together yeah and then it timed out for him to be able to do it yeah because their schedules are insane so it the was fact brutal. that you got him he he you know they get like a week uh that they can take mm-hmm. and he coupled his week with some other travel that he'd had and so I, I only shot him two days. No but, shit. Yeah, but he was out in Thailand for, I think, four nights. Whoa. <laughs> That's just kind of That's worked amazing. out. Baller. Are, yeah. there, are there things from a, a, a whole experience like this that you, like wearing multiple hats, which you've done now for like so long on all your shows, uh, has there ever been a time like, like with somebody like um, uh, Mike Myers and Austin Powers, like somebody that's wearing many hats during that whole thing, have there been times in your career where you've like, either asked outwardly like hey like how do you balance all this or just from afar observed a lot of different people both, yeah. both. i'm i'm i always ask people questions okay cool um and i i have come to discover that most people in this business l- like to share the yeah. knowledge that they've acquired or love to give you some kind of secret passageway or contra code that gets you through this trap door and yeah. gets yeah, like you I thought an it was up life. down left right a b so like, like <laughs> no no it start then select <laughs> yeah i asked everybody everything and i i people were incredibly generous with Dope. with information all through the process any in particular that stands out that uh, that, you, that you pulled if from if you watch our film mm-hmm. the special thanks is as big as you know like Endgame's anima- animation house <laughs> yeah. credits where wow. it's like all these digital artists. Yeah. I, I asked everybody that I thanked everybody in the movie. That's awesome. Yeah. If, if, if you would say that you're Adam Sandler, is Breckenmeyer your Rob Schneider? <laughs> <laughs> I think Sandler and I, while we do similar things, we do such different things that I don't know there's as close or comparable. Um, there was a period of time where, I, where Ben Stiller seemed to be the thing in common mm-hmm. for a lot of other performers who were all successful in their own right. Yeah. And he, he yeah. seemed to gather people together as a director and as a performer. Uh, and, and because he had such a continues to have such a wealth of uh, goodwill or people that, that liked him, I, I thought that was the closest comparable, but even Stiller and I were very different in the types of things that we do where we are in our careers what what we want to see ourselves what the audience bears of us on film or yeah. the type of projects I, i've always I, I don't know man I've, I've spent my entire life trying not to be stereotyped or pigeonholed or or categorized yeah. as anything specifically the, the one thing that is consistent throughout my career is that i love to make stuff i love to make stuff 
Mm-hmm. I want to piggyback on that, and you talked about it on our our boy Rick Glassman's podcast, Take Your Shoes mm-hmm. Off, but about taking a jump and playing yourself on Entourage and how, <laughs> and I was thinking all this as you were talking about, like how much of a kind of a gamble that is to, uh-huh. to um, you know, uh, play a heightened version of yourself like that and to, yeah. and to just assume that people would be able to separate you'd, and ha- you'd have to understand like the timing of it mm-hmm. just did re- reality tv was just starting to be a thing and yeah I, and i had underestimated how the audience was interpreting information right like when i saw david duchovny on larry sanders play david duchovny or yeah. when i saw any of these other incredible actors play versions of themselves on larry sanders it was understood to be ironic and it was hilarious yeah, right. because people had seen interviews with these people or they knew them as a persona and so the, the sending up of your public expectation is hilarious. Yeah. Um, and that's really what I thought was happening. Like I thought I had established a, a, so, a sound enough nice guy <laughs> yeah. image that, yeah. that, it would, that it would just carry on. But the truth was I hadn't been doing as much on camera work uh, and I, I definitely hadn't been doing as much publicity or at least mm-hmm. anything that really got traction at the, time, at the time that I did Entourage. So yeah. there was an entire generation of kids between <laughs> 15 and 21 that just didn't know me from anything else. And they loved Entourage because mm-hmm. they thought that it was their, you know, keeping up with the Kardashians yeah. access yeah. <laughs> to Hollywood. Yeah, and right. it was a point in time where everyone believed everything that they were seeing. And because I played a character called Seth Green, <laughs> <laughs> that was that was your first mistake. Yeah. I guess I guess so. But again, I I thought it was funny. Yeah, I really dude. thought it was funny, and it, 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 it was it was hilarious. It was so good. And, and but I was shocked to find the backlash. I took it as a compliment as an actor. I was oh, like, well, sure. I'm so like, convincing. Wow, I'm convincing role. as a dick. Yeah. Well, didn't you say some like casting people, or whatever, got a little like I took I, a step back, being like, I right, did have this occasion. You're gonna where hit my girl up too. Cast, casting people who were under 25 were having conversations with my manager. And saying, you know, you just his, I just you fucking hate him. He's just like a little, just like to fucking annoy, just so annoying, such a, so annoying. You just want to fucking punch him. And we were like, what are you even talking about? Are you talking about my character from Entourage that you've just overlaid as yeah. the absolute mm-hmm. definitive truth of me personally? Yeah, That's yeah, yeah. Weird, isn't it? Weird. That's weird. <laughs> and you uh, grew up with uh, Kevin Conley, more or less, yeah? Or you yeah, Ke- Kevin and I, we, we both, uh, well, he was out of Long Island. I was out of Philadelphia. We both were in New York all the time yeah, for yeah. auditions. We did a, a Matchbox car wash commercial when we were yes. seven years Whoa. old. And then, you know, everybody moved out to LA and you just know each other. You're in the yeah. same cliques with one sure. another. So Kevin and I have known each other forever. That's crazy. Yeah, and it's just fun to play... That does add to that villains, whole, right? Yeah, because yeah. Yeah. you're willing to go further, or yes, you can absolutely. Get even you worry more. about offending them, or like, yeah, it's like we we're just this is ridiculous. Let's get nuts. I mean, that shit was so <laughs> real, right? To, like, say hi to your uh, girl for like. There's nothing more, you know, yeah. slimy a dude can do so, than that. And so the opposite of me that I thought this was uh, an incredible opportunity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> do you get to uh, improv and play more when you have that comfort with uh, another actor? Um, you know, I, I always, um, I, I, I'm, my, my whole career was made as a supporting player. Yeah. Like all of the things that I've, I've done so much more guest starring and day playing that it's always my intent to come into a situation and just fit in. Like I'll bring what I bring to it, yeah. but I don't want to do anything that's gonna c- cancel out or, 
um, conflict with whatever anybody else is doing. So when people are interested in improv, when people like to improv, I love to. But I also um, I recognize that some things need a, a more rigid format. Is there, a, is there a different process for coming up uh, with a character on screen versus animation? And what I'm segueing into is uh, the voice of Chris Griffin is so... I mean, I've heard you loosely talk about it, like how you came up with it, and I think it's fucking fascinating, and I'm mm. curious if it's consistent with all voices you're doing with characters of that magnitude. Like that, 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 that particular experience is more consistent with the idea of trying something. Yeah. Like, mm. even if it's dangerous in the room. Like, as an actor, taking a risk. And, you know, for, for every story of Family Guy success, there's, like, right. a dozen, if not 50 of people just being like, I don't know what the fuck he was doing. <laughs> yeah, Jesus yeah, yeah, yeah. Christ. But yeah, you yeah. have to take swings like that. As, yeah. an, as an actor, you have to, you know, not in a desperate attempt to get attention, but in a way to say there's no one else for this role but me. You right. have to take big risks like that. And that, that's just an example of like, in the room, in the moment, I was like, can I just try something? I don't know if this is going to work, but yeah. I want to try this. And they were all for it. Yeah. And what you say was it was a, a mix of... Um... That whole week, I had been doing press for Can't Hardly Wait. And Charlie Corsmo, who's in that movie, stayed at my apartment while we were doing all the press. And we just had a great week together eating like KFC and Fuck Jack in the did. Box. And there you go. Um, reading, because uh, they give you the press breaks and you read all the reviews. And it was like a pack of 80 reviews. And... Within the first review, it was very clear that critics did not like this movie. More <laughs> <So laughs> well, KFC. I gave I gave Charlie a pink highlighter yeah. and I took a green one and we just went through it. Anytime somebody made a very personal criticism of either of us, we just highlighted it and <laughs> oh, then read geez. it to each other. And the, the the always annoying cartoon weasel Seth Green. He was like, Jesus <laughs> oh fucking Christ, man! Jesus. Did someone actually Holy write shit. that? Oh my God! We had to, somebody somebody likened Charlie to an animated porpoise. Like we, it was so personal. <laughs> It's so shitty that we had to like make a yeah. joke out of it. So Charlie and I spent that week together, and I don't know why we got fixated on uh, uh, Ted Levine's character from Silence of the Lambs, Buffalo Bill. Yeah, <laughs> but we both became really fixated on putting him into other situations, <laughs> and so we would go. You go to like the drive-through, and they're like, <laughs> and we were like, ah, that sounds a little bit like Buffalo. But what if it was like, uh, Are you sure, Mark? French fries. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe you're becoming more of a fat person. Do Do you want a larger, a larger frosty for fifteen cents? And we just it puts the sweet and sour sauce in the basket. <laughs> it takes the spicy chicken sandwich. And puts it into the bag. <laughs> and we just, this was killing us. We spent all why. week just putting Ted Levine in a, in other, like you, whatever, like you call the movie there. Uh, you call it for show times. Uh, he said, she said, is playing at 7.15. The uh, sparkly romantic comedy starring Kevin Bacon. <laughs> And it's just oh, shit. endlessly funny, uh, so yeah. funny yeah. that when I went into audition for Family Guy, I was like, <laughs> what if it was this? Uh, thanks, Dad. Uh, fight against the machine. And they laughed. They laughed. They, and I got that job. 
fuck, dude. Right? But what are the odds of that? What are the odds of you also, like, I mean, look, what were you doing prior to that that even gave you the, like, wherewithal to go, uh, maybe something else? Like, do you gauge them... Like not maybe being into what you're doing, or yeah, is it I mean, just... they have a, a drawing of the character. And yes. The character looks like the character: yeah. the hat, yeah. the earring, the blonde hair. Yeah. Most people were coming in like, "Bro, Dad, I think like what? Fight the machine, bro, Dad." <laughs> yeah, and everybody did some kind of variance on the surfer guy. And a lot of right. times, I've gotten jobs just by doing something different that was absolutely not what they were thinking of. Yeah, not even necessarily appropriate, but just by doing something so different. That, that I got it. Did you have sort of the Fuck. pubescent squeaks in the beginning or did that kind of develop over time? Like, Oh, to get Chris to that, yeah. it's definitely gotten a higher register. By the, by the time we, because the first two seasons of the show we did in a vacuum and then we yeah. got pushed around on a time slot and then they wound up producing the back nine without a time slot. They got dumped over the summer. And then the show was, was over. Mm-hmm. And um, you just kind of chalk it up as like, all right, cool, that was a fun experience. I have so many shows that have been over yeah. that I was like, ah, fuck, well, at least we got to do that, huh? I couldn't believe I got that job in the first place. I read really? that script. I was like, Jesus Christ, this is like someone, Taylor wrote something for mm-hmm. all of my favorite things. Oh, my this God. Is as if, this is as if someone was like, what would be the perfect job for you? Yeah. And, then I, and I fucking got it. So it was so exciting. And not a surprise when the network didn't support it. Not a surprise when we got canceled. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a surprise when the then evolving Adult Swim bought it for uh, reruns. Yeah. And then it got millions of views. And we didn't even know that that was a thing until we went to Montreal Comedy Festival mm-hmm. and did a live reading of it and sold out this house of a couple thousand people. And they're all quoting lines at us and asking us questions about the show. We were like, holy shit. Wait, so you had no po- idea at that point that people were consuming it at the Nobody rate knew. they were? No. And so after oh that, And because of the success of it on Adult Swim, Fox was like, well, maybe we, and and remember, this was in early times of people releasing a whole whole season of a series on DVD. They just hadn't really done it. So they beta tested it with Family Guy and it sold a million copies in the first week. And they were like, Jesus Christ, let's get those back nine on DVD too. And that that sold a million copies. So all of a sudden Fox was like, geez, we should be in the Seth MacFarlane business, huh? (laughs) And they greenlit Family Guy to come back on the air at the same time that they greenlit American Dad to go in production. Holy no kidding. Shit. Yeah. What was that fucking phone call or email like? We we just like McFarlane and I, I everybody was like, <laughs> what the fuck? That's unheard of. It was unheard yeah. of. And then for us to be in our 17th season, like what? That just doesn't happen. Yeah. It like, doesn't it, happen. It gives it gives credence to Elon Musk's theory that this is all a simulation. <laughs> <laughs> somehow we've glitched the matrix for this yes. to be the most successful job I've ever had, yeah. right? And it's it, one it, of the greatest shows of all time, dude. I love it. Every, you do, yeah? I really do. I guess yeah. I can't. I just... Do you I watch like, episodes and shit? Do you yeah. like... Yeah, yeah, because it's very entertaining. <laughs> it's, it's so a great show. fucking good, dude. And the fact that, like... like Net, like nowadays you're seeing it you're seeing it with shows where like an AP bio gets canceled and now everyone's like alright get it on Hulu get it on Hulu yeah like, like back in the back in your time that was there was no precedent for that well, once a show was canceled it was actual, like it was done yeah and there's there's not a lot of places to house it the, the upside yeah. of all the streaming content all these st- subscription services all this global distribution it's that mm-hmm. anybody can fall in love with something in mass and 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 it can have a life. There's this yeah. other version of it where there's stuff that has, you know, 
six million consistently dedicated fans i've mm-hmm. never even heard of it yeah that's the weirder part yeah. about it is that you have all these isolated niches of fandom around a particular property or an influencer and you know if you're even two years older or you just don't have that platform you have no idea what people are talking about when they but told me six million yeah, people yeah. are talking about it yeah when they told me that like esports sold out the staples center i was like yeah. wait what yeah. And now that was a thing that I had to somehow know about. We just did a sketch. It won't be out until like October, but we have yeah. the robot chicken nerd on ESPN playing like yes. Fortnite or something. <laughs> and uh, he's all excited about the nerds inheriting the earth right. and like forcing people on ESPN to watch like my page. Yeah, play this great game. <laughs> and then um, all the other guys on his team are really offended because they're all handsome. One of them's like, I just got a fucking esports scholarship, man. I'm I'm gonna slay pussy at call at college. And our nerd is like, Wait a minute, all the nerds are becoming hot? What is <laughs> I'm like an outcast inside this outcast group of people? What, what the fuck, guys? <laughs> <laughs> it, but it is true. That, yeah, the that, evolution of all of it. But yeah. that's but that's that's. When I was younger, I complained that um, people were not more accepting of mm-hmm. the kinds of entertainment that I loved, and so we're we're almost over the other side of it. Yeah. you know where uh, females make up uh, a definitive half of the population of Comic Con, yeah. and where. Uh, things like esports are accessible to everyone, or where Into the Spider Verse yeah. wins an Oscar. Yeah. So it's like I'm not mad that culture has evolved to a point where audiences are showing up for all the shit that I love. In fact, it just mm-hmm. creates a greater opportunity for us to make it. Yeah, I went to a live reading of an episode. You guys did a bunch of stuff for Family Guy at the Wilton in like maybe 2005, my huh. senior uh, at college at SC, and I was just like this is fucking and again it was just like the DVDs to college just went bonkers oh. and then I'm watching like we're, it was like so outside of uh, like an outer body thing to be watching you guys do the episode and just as entertaining huh. and then I think Seth sing along with uh, the song or, sure um, but are the, do you enjoy the live uh, stuff and even like the Comic Con yeah. stuff yeah I love yeah. I love connecting with an audience like that um, and being able to have that loose of a format is really mm-hmm. fun. Yeah. And we all enjoy the show. So the, the fact that fans react to it that yeah. strongly, that's always cool. Hopefully we'll do that with swords, yeah? Maybe. Yeah. We'll see. Like yeah. We've got until next year to see yeah. how it pops. But boy, I love the show. Man, <laughs> we, we can talk about that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're making a show called Crossing Swords for Hulu that'll come out in 2020, yeah. which mm-hmm. is like a, um, uh, a feudal... Game of Thrones, it's like, um, it is as violent and bloody and as full of sex as Game of Thrones, but it, it's acted out with these, you know, marginally nondescript, armless peg people. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just inherently silly. Dude, I, mean, I feel like yeah. it could be the next, um, you know, the next uh, big show like that. You know what I'm saying? I love it. Uh, the writing, all, you all guys the writers fuck, did an oh, incredible job on it. it I, I barely had to do anything. I, I got to oversee and then just take a general credit for the thing. It's been, it's been luxurious. Yeah. Um, and I really, I can't wait for people to see it. Yeah. The characters are so, so fucking funny. Fucking in the oh. storylines, man. Yeah. I mean, it's Adam's so been telling me about this thing. <clears throat> like before he did, like before he laid down the voices and everything like he's been telling me about it so i'm uh, i'm really excited yeah, me it. too and it's it's an incredible cast we got nick holt and luke evans and yeah, dude. tara strong it's and like pally yeah, yeah adam oh my god how much do you love him yeah so good <laughs> so good <laughs> he's so fucking did you see that show that he did it was like a time travel show 
on yes, Fox for a second. With, um, uh, with our boy uh, Yasser Lester. Everybody. There were so many people in that show, and it's just them jumping into a duffel bag and yeah. <laughs> traveling to other time Brilliant. periods. Yeah. It was really funny. I know, dude. I like him. Um, thank you so much. It's been amazing. Yeah. Oh, yeah? Let's wrap it up. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Fuck this. Or we can, no, I we got, can hang. I mean, I, I got stuff to do. I, we know you do. We, we, we <clears throat> did have one request and you're more than welcome to say no. Uh, so anytime we have on uh, a brilliant uh, voice actor, impressionist, anything, we have a, uh, a Thai restaurant that I actively uh, order from and uh, we call them up and we prank them. And uh, Dana Carvey did his Paul McCartney. <clears throat> Chris Elia did his Jean-Claude Van Damme. Uh, Aries Spears did his DMX. And um, uh, John DiMaggio uh, just did it as a sassy black woman. Yeah. And uh, and uh, would you be down to do it as uh, just like as pr- Chris prank call the, the restaurant? restaurant? Yeah. 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 Sure. <laughs> All right. Yeah. And you do. Yeah. We would. It's these have been some of our most epic times in the podcast. Oh, God. And Adam gives them plenty of business. Don't feel bad. Don't feel bad. <laughs> what's the What's the goal here? Uh, it's it, you know what? It's like your auditions. We want you to take a chance. <laughs> Just be silly. I mean, look, Aerie Spears uh, asked me if they have uh, N word shrimp as DMX, and they said yes. <laughs> so, so that was great. I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, like getting them to hang up. Like, yeah, we're not trying to, uh, but yeah, extend the calls. Oh. Um, you know, Royland did it as Rick and Morty and, and had him on for a little bit. That's yeah. amazing. And uh, yeah, it was great. And, I went uh, to a strip club in Atlanta with Justin and convinced the DJ to let him get on the mic. Shut the fuck and, up. And uh, oh my God. It, it was hilariously funny, except that, you know, there's only like six patrons in the place. Yeah. yeah and, and so every girl them, that came yeah. out on stage <laughs> to him being like, oh, look at this girl. She's got like big, <laughs> big old boobies and like a, like a big bouncing butter butts bouncing really great. Ah, oh, yeah, geez, Maurice. Yeah. <laughs> you can't even like, <laughs> you can't even see the ground cast in such a big, uh, such a big shadow with that, with that giant ass. Oh yeah, Rick, I don't think the girls appreciate you say you use that and he you see this girl on stage just getting more and more upset yeah, like she's trying to be up. sexy and he's like she she well she's just got all big old bouncy boobies you're pulling the rug out from under my performance yeah. really funny that's amazing dude um, so how does this work so we'll uh i'll give you the phone just kind of hold up to the mic yeah Sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, or I can hold it, whatever works. Do you but, like to yeah. do that, by the way, when you go to different cities, if you're even working on a project, just get out and about. Like when we're traveling, you know, just in like like Cincinnati doing a weekend of shows, it's like we always try to make a point to go like do whatever that museum is or go to the something. If do, there's time, I yeah. love to travel okay. and I love to explore local stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Have you been to Seattle before? <laughs> uh, I haven't. Jesus. Isn't that, isn't that weird? What? Yeah. I mean, I may have passed through, but I never explored it. Oh, dude, well, we should take a swords up to the uh, Seattle uh, Comic Con, right? Uh, right, uh, Changeland Two, where you, where, where you and Adam go to Seattle. Together. I have a very silly. <laughs> I have a very silly like. It's the the sequel to the movie will be like Rush Hour. <laughs> I've, got a, I've, I've got a I've got a genre switch. Yeah, I did with the same characters <laughs> that I think can be fun. <laughs> All right, here we go. I'm gonna hand it off to you, Brad. We uh... put it on speaker or something. Yeah, it's on speaker. Okay. Let me turn up a little. Hi, homie. How are you? Um, yeah. Hi. What what time do you serve dinner? Uh, at 5 p.m. 5 p.m.? Okay. Yeah. I want to make a reservation. Um, sure. How many people? It's 10 people. 
And I want to, okay. we need to bring our own silverware. Is that okay? That's okay, that shouldn't be a problem. I just have a problem with germs and touching things and people. I'm sorry? Do you have um, noodles? The the kind that are long and thin and come in. Yeah, we do that. Uh huh. I love that. What what would you say is the average temperature of the meat that you cook? We basically cook the meat in a hot rock thing. Yeah. And that's it, like a maximum of the heat. Well, I love that. I would say I would say like more than a hundred degrees Celsius, but I don't yeah. know what the culinary thing we go for. Yeah. Yeah, I think is that okay for you? Yeah, I love the hot meat. That's that's good. Do you have um soup spoons for the soup? Or do I need to bring like a larger spoon as well? We have everything, sir. So if I've got one of my friends, he's a big fat guy. You sound so really you know, nice. <laughs> yeah, but if you if you want to, you know, make sure that you get everything, you know. Where where do you guys stand on the plastic straws? We don't serve the plastic straw, but if you if you request one, we can put it in your drink. Because mm, I don't like the paper straws, and I think we don't have it. We don't have paper straws. It's all plastic thank, ones. Thank uh, thank God for you. Because everyone else is like, I'm on this plastic paper straw. And I don't, I don't like that because of the germs and because the plastic. That's, like We've made such progress as a culture and being able to manufacture. Yeah, what time are you coming for? Um, I want to come all day because I've got 10 people that really like to eat. The, my one... Yeah, so let's let's say like five o'clock, and then we'll be there until t- like ten o'clock. We close at nine forty-five, just in case. Okay. Don't know that. So we'll stay until nine forty-five. Yeah. Can I have your name, please? My name is Chris. <laughs> what a phone number? Uh, it's three two three six one three. Five three one three. All right, thank you, Chris. See you at five today, okay? I love you. Thank you. See you soon. Bye. Okay, thank you. We're getting married. <laughs> oh my fucking uh, god, dude! That's we that comes so far as a culture, dude. You start like engaging in a, like a political straw Social conversation. <laughs> Dude, that was fucking unbelievable. Breck and Meyer and I used to oh, you're so good, just make man, just make prank phone calls all day long. You could tell. That was our yeah. favorite thing to do. Back when, when? back when movies had like um, a real person uh, answering the phone, I would just try and keep them on the phone and ask yeah. them about the runtime of movies or the particular size of the screen. You're so good like, at what keeping the it the going, was. dude. Right. Oh, thanks, man. Just new, just <sighs> new topics. That Nothing was unbelievable. <laughs> do you have, also, That's you're a, asking what you're asking is so funny, but like. 
Yeah, are your noodles like that's like she shouldn't not be able to feel that. Like, are they long and noodly? Because we got so off topic. Oh, that she was god. like, I gotta get off the phone with this guy. Oh my god, dude, that was fucking amazing. I always find misplaced affection hilarious. Yes, too. just like forcing a yeah. an intimacy that that doesn't belong there. I love you. Yeah, dude, I was hoping. Yeah, I was hoping she's like, married. okay, okay. That's how my aunt is. My aunt's ninety two, and I always go, all right, Shirley, I love it. She goes, all right, that's good. Yeah, that's yeah, that's good. good for you. I'm, I'm what's known as the great generation because I lived through this bullshit yeah. alright you're a little soft for my taste dad am I yeah I literally told you gonna... the other day I was like Girl, I'll, I'll just call you back later she goes why just tell me what you have to tell me now <laughs> that's incredible I'm 90 yeah. get it out I don't got much time I'm not gonna <laughs> not gonna waste my seconds on you friend she calls me friend we're loose acquaintances at best I... I'm not going to place a ton of investment in our closeness. You say say nephew. I'm more like, eh, maybe pen pal. I didn't have a lot of say in us being permanently bound through blood. So, uh, you know, it's not like the friends you choose. You understand, Adam? I do, Aunt Shirley. I guess I'm not getting a birthday card this year, huh? Uh, No, I'll I'll send you the requisite $20. Yeah, good. Why is it twenty bucks? Uh, you know, I, I keep I keep my bill. That's the largest bill I collect. You collect them. Yeah, of course. If but if you put more than one in there, the mailman's gonna steal yeah. it. Oh shit! Yeah, they can tell the weight. <laughs> Two stamps. This must be more than one twenty. If I know Shirley, there's an extra there's an extra bill in here for old Henry the mailman. You know he steals my medicine. <laughs> What's the point of having express express scripts if your fucking mailman is always <laughs> taking your your oh. your your colonopin? <laughs> Oh. And that's how Adam choked on coffee oh. and died. Steals my medicine is such a great aunt conspiracy. Yeah, like the mailman steals my medicine. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Also, why are you getting medicine in the mail? Well, because I don't I don't like leaving the house. My bones are fragile. That's why I get my bone density medicine delivered to the house. No, you got dense bones. Didn't you drink milk? I've become lactose intolerant. You can't Jesus tell by all the fights. You're always sending me pictures of milk cartons. What are those doing there? Well, it's because all of our, our nephews are missing. <laughs> I'm hoping that you'll like John Walsh that shit for me. <laughs> I didn't know you still watch that show. Well, it's it's an app now, so <laughs> that'd, be the, oh. that'd be the worst app in history. Uh, Help us find these these missing persons. <laughs> Is it like Tinder where yeah. like I'll I'll, I'll help yeah, find I'll help it. Find this yeah, one. it's called it's called Amber Alert. <laughs> It helps you find missing people. It's like, ah, oh, that kid's a good one. I'll try to find oh. the ooh, ugly Ooh, kid. I'm going to no. find this kid. <laughs> <laughs> that, that kid looks like he'd make some money, huh? He won't steal my money put, from you. Put him to work. <laughs> May seem older than in this photo. <laughs> Artists rendering 10 years later. So he's built up some physical countenance. Yeah, put that guy in the fields. <laughs> oh my god! Where did that? It, where, where did we oh, just go, dude? That was uh, amazing. I want to meet your aunt. Everywhere <laughs> wonderful. Come to Dallas. I mean, I feel like I just met her. Oh. <laughs> yeah, she's great. She, I go. Uh, she takes umbrage with this interview. Adam, I've been listening to your podcast, and uh, quite frankly, I find the portrayal of me by 
that piece of shit from Entourage. <laughs> Maybe I do get my medicine in the yeah. mail. So what? <laughs> I feel like oh. I feel like she would write that in a handwritten note too, with like really she, nice. She told stationary. me she only swears when she's by herself and she drops something, and I go, "Oh, you mean like, hey, oh fuck, the pasta salad?" She goes, "Well, first of all, I don't make pasta." <laughs> <laughs> That's her objection yeah. to, the, to the scenario. Yeah. I'm yeah. gluten free, you asshole. Yeah. Um, dude, you're you're the fucking man. Um, uh, go see do this. Go, yeah. go see Changeland. Where 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 can people get it? Well, it's in uh, theaters in yeah. twelve cities. But the the thing that I wanted to do was get it distributed digitally because yeah. yeah. the way people are seeing movies, gotcha, I right. wanted people to have access to it, and yeah. so it's everywhere. It's yeah. uh, all over national cable on demand. It's. Uh, uh, on Amazon, it's yeah. on iTunes. That's where I watch Several on different VOD. Yeah. Thanks, man. Yeah, that that really is um, this type of movie, uh, this kind of independent film. I I I want I want people to be able to share it with each other, and I want people to be able to see it wherever they want. Like it's designed as a cinema experience, and I think mm-hmm. you get a benefit it from is, watching man. it on a big screen. Sure, because having all an the audience Thailand with stuff, it, it's amazing. But at the same time, I I, I made it so people could. St- put it on their phone and put it in their pocket. Does uh does Adam's aunt want to go see Changeland? Uh what it's called Changeland? What's the <laughs> Yeah, what's the premise of the picture? Oh, well, it's well, this guy he goes through he goes through a heartbreak, uh-huh. but he, Is it he like a, Blue Velvet? That's my favorite. <laughs> no, it's not. not not quite. He had, he he had he had a romantic trip to Thailand uh-huh. planned. Is it like nine and a half weeks? <laughs> Ooh, that Whoa. movie is so good. Um I don't know if there's as much nudity. So I've in, been in, masturbating in to Mickey Ross for <laughs> okay. so long. I know you have, and Shirley, you open with that every time we talk on my birthday. <laughs> the only reason I saw LA Confidential was because I thought Kim Basinger might get naked and who those boobies, am I right? <laughs> and that's how he found out his aunt was oh, lesbian. Oh my god! Adam, the hustler stores near you, right? Would you send me that no, giant vibrator? They won't. They won't. They won't mail it to me. They no shouldn't. Matter, they, they they say that the shipping is too expensive, and I I offered to pay for it. It's called the humiliator, and I. <laughs> The mailman's been stealing my dildos. You know what this, that son of a bitch, Henry the mailman. He's you know how just, many dildos I've lost? He's eating all of my, all of my drugs and stealing my vibrators. And God knows where he's putting them. Oh my God. I got that Peter North signature model and the, it never arrived. The company sent me a, a photo of it on my mailbox and I know Henry stole it. Right? Why would he do that? Actually, I don't know. The world's a fucked up place, you know? (laughs) Do you know anybody that makes meth? (laughs) Is is it time for your dinner? This Geritol's not cutting it. (laughs) Step this action up. Oh, just make some pasta salad, Shirley. (laughs) I I told you I'm gluten-free, you son of a bitch. Now I know Adam wants to kill me. Why don't you just feed me some milk, asshole? (laughs) <laughs> oh man I haven't laughed hard in a long time I'm good I'm gonna have to like oh god we gotta animate I'm that gonna, I'm, gonna ha- yeah, I'm gonna have to get like you and my aunt like something like you gotta maybe I'll just send you a picture I'm married yeah. stop <laughs> not this. not hooked up oh. just like you like no, what's no, the no, I don't no, know man. Set, <laughs> set, like, a three here, way because couples are open to that cool. kind of thing no, now how we, you're talking about like let's you lord knows the aunt is into it you know we'll find out if my wife likes elderly women <laughs> Honey, I just wanted to broach a subject with you. 
you know, you always like visiting your grandparents. Um, Hear me out. Yeah. Just, hey, 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 just to take, hey, take a knee for a where second. Where are you going? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, so this could do this forever, man. Yeah, right. Um, all right. Uh, Go Changeland. see, go see Changeland. Thanks, uh, be, yeah, dude. See, see swords, crossing with, swords, yeah, crossing swords, and just and, and just watch out for Adam's aunt because she's a she's a handful. I'll keep an eye out. <laughs> I'll put I'll put mirrors on my glasses <laughs> so I can see her coming. Good night, everybody. <laughs> Subscribe on iTunes to this fucking podcast. Give them a five-star rating so this midget and this Jew can feel good about themselves for a couple minutes. Also, get on your iPhone or Android and get the podcast app. You can also listen to it on Stitcher or aboutlastnightpodcast.com, where you can hear past episodes with great guests like Lisa Kudrow, Paul Feig, Kevin Nealon, Bob Saget, Dion Cole, Chris D'Elia, Adam Devine, Michael McDonald, Jaleel White, Bud Friedman, Steve-O, Harlan Williams, Tom Arnold, Ron Funches, Rick Glassman, Blake Anderson, Anders Holm, Jessamay Peluso, Joey McIntyre, and many, many more. I'm Tony Danza. Thanks for listening to the About Last Night podcast. Good night. That's it, right? You got it? Sweet. Boy, it smells good in that booth, by the way. What kind of candle is that? Hanukkah Willow? <laughs> nice. Man, what's up, dog? This is your pal Bugs Bunny. Say, uh, I got a question for you. Do you know who has the head of Elmer Fudd and the body of Foghorn Leghorn? Why, that's Adam Ray and Brad Williams. Ain't I a stinker? Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook games.